Hey there, everybody, and welcome back to the Growing Band Director podcast. My name is Kyle Smith, and joining me is my friend and colleague, Jeff Smith. Our mission is to share practical advice and explore topics that will help every band director, no matter your experience level, as well as music education students who are working to join us in the coming years. Together, we will discuss many aspects of a well-rounded band program, but most importantly, we will discuss concepts that help us all improve our own programs each and every day. Always remember the famous quote by Ray Kroc, when you're green, you're growing, and when you're right, you rot. Let's get started. Hey, greetings. Welcome back, everybody, to the Growing Band Director podcast. Um, so this episode is going to be all about grade one music. And uh, for those of you who are younger teachers uh, and this graded music system grading uh, stuff is sort of still pretty new to you. Um, the music is organized um, or graded by difficulty level for our students, right? Um, 0.5 or beginning band being the beginning and then grade six being sort of the highest, highest level stuff that there is. Um, but when you're thinking about this number for your students, think about um, in terms of skill set, not number of years playing, right? So it's all about what they can do and what they can't do on the instrument. It's not about what grade they're in. So say you take over a high school program, you know, you might say, oh, they need to play grade three and grade four. Well, if their skill set isn't there, then they shouldn't be playing those grade levels, right? So you really want to find, um, uh, you know, the best the best fit for your for your students. Um, definition, since we're doing grade one today, um, here's sort of a, the standard definition for grade one music. Uh, grade one is music usually played by more advanced elementary school students. So this would be fifth grade, sixth grade, you know, depending on your frequency of meeting and all that, even sometimes into seventh grade. Good teachers um, many times have seventh graders play grade one, um, you know, if that's appropriate for that group at that time. Uh, this may include the first full octave of notes on brass instruments, saxophone, and clarinet. I'm sorry, and flute. Um, advanced clarinets may play the entire octave, but again, this is where they might, they will probably split into first and second clarinet and keep the clarinet twos below the break, typically. Um, advanced clarinets may play an entire octave. Uh, some parts are doubled i.e. the bass line in the tuba and the bass clarinet and the berry sax would be doubled, but more parts are now split. So first and second clarinet, first and second trumpet, things like that. Musicians are encouraged to be more independent and not lean on each other as much. And concert B-flat and E-flat key signatures and their relative minor keys are the norm. So that's sort of a standard definition of grade one. And I have a ton of pieces here that, um, to be honest with you, I have not done most of these pieces. I haven't taught a lot of grade one bands. Um, however, I have a bunch of great teachers who've weighed in on this uh, list and who I trust implicitly with their programming. So I hope you get something out of these pieces. And, and remember, even if you're doing a grade three band or a grade four band, we always have use for grade one, right? So what are some of the uses of grade one? Um, well, first of all, um, you should be sight reading with your kids all the time, right? For me, I, we sight read something every day. It could be eight measures, but we always sight read something every day. And for a full grade one piece, a lot of times, you know, when you go to band festival, at least I know in Maine where I live, we go to band festival and you have to sight read at two grade levels lower 
than what you're performing at. So if you're doing an average of a grade three, then you need to be sight reading grade one. If you're doing grade four, you have to sight read grade two. Um, so having a number of these grade one pieces to practice sight reading with your kids is really, really important, right? So you need to uh, have a system in place on how you want to do practice that sight reading. Um, so that's not really a topic for today's episode, but I know Jeff, Jeff and I have discussed that in the past and will in the future as well. Always making sure you have a system and you're teaching your kids how to sight read. There's a lot of tricks you can use and a lot of systems you can use, but you need to find something that your kids can latch onto and you can latch onto to really get the best sight reading opportunity for your kids. So even if you're a high school teacher, I'm hoping that a lot of these pieces might uh, make it their way into your library uh, for that sight reading purpose. Also, another great thing is take your local middle school teachers who you love so much and who feed uh, your musical souls, right? They send you all these great students. Um, look for advice from them on great pieces to be using and even borrow from them so that maybe sometimes you don't have to spend your budget on it, but um, you can get a lot of these sorts of pieces. And you know what I found over the years? Kids, meaning even older kids, like playing easier music. I mean, how often is everything they're playing like kind of tough for them? You know, it should be at a good a good level where it's challenging them. Not every piece is challenging them in the same way, of course, but um, for them to sit down and like read a piece that looks so easy to them, they my kids get a total kick out of it. So a lot of times it's a really good change of pace too. So I hope these grade one pieces are useful for for a lot of you, either for performance or for sight reading purposes. Um, I really do feel this is very quality literature and uh, your kids can have great musical experiences through these. So let's dive into them. Before we jump in, I did have one more other thought to share with you, and that's, you know, as you listen to these pieces, don't think of them as a certain grade level. Think of them as a musical opportunity. And if one of them sounds like a really good musical opportunity for your kids, just go ahead and do it. It doesn't matter what grade it is. I've done a grade one and a half with my wind ensemble before. And, uh, you know, they could play grade five, but one and a half was a really cool piece, and it fit them really well, and they enjoyed it. So, you know, don't, uh, don't think that you can't pre even perform some of these pieces. Um, they're going to be really great. First piece we're going to explore is by a good friend of mine and a, a fellow teacher up here in Maine, really a, a master teacher named Brad Chahomsky. Um, and his name is pretty tough to, to uh, spell, so if you like this piece and you're looking for more, um, when you look on his name under, under Pepper, the way you spell Chahomsky is C-I-E-C-H-O-M-S-K-I. And this piece is called The Noise in the Basement. My wife recommended me this piece because, um, so before the pandemic, she had um, some kids who were in sixth grade, and this was a new piece for them. And as you can imagine, with noise in the basement, there's, there's like some spooky things, including the flexitone and things like that, that, and it's in C minor, that make this a really, really cool piece. And kids um, were really freaked out because like all the things were, were crazy for them, and they, you know, they thought they would never be able to do it and all that. And then obviously the world shut down, and, and they went and did online school for a year and a half. And then when they came back as eighth graders, the piece they could not stop talking about was noise in the basement. The noise in the basement. And uh, they just loved it and were obsessed with it. And these are kids who are going into high school. And uh, so it's just one of those pieces that's really cool and uh, pretty awesome. So let's check it out. The Noise in the Basement by Brad Chahomsky.
you're looking to get a hold of Brad and want to ask him to write a piece for your group, um, he does lots of commissions and would love to come work with your group and, uh, you know, per, uh, write a piece for them to perform and uh, do clinics and all that sort of stuff. Feel free to reach out to me and I can get you his contact information. He's a great teacher, great person, and such great music. Just keep in mind, some of these recordings are going to be from the pro studio recordings, right? So they're going to be flawless. And uh, some of them are going to be from really good middle school bands who put their work on YouTube. And uh, so remember, especially as a younger teacher, you know, if you hear a recording, you can, if you hear any mistakes or tone issues or anything like that, try to separate that as a performance issue from the actual piece that you're listening to. Um, all right, so hope you enjoyed that one. Let's go on to the next piece. This piece is going to be uh, by the great Michael Sweeney. And if you're, again, if you're a newer teacher or if you're an older teacher and you don't know a lot of Michael Sweeney's stuff, I guess that's pretty, pretty rare. But um, he is not only a great writer in the jazz idiom, but a great writer in the concert band idiom as well. Um, almost every grade level, you can find great Michael Sweeney music. This piece is called Celtic Air and Dance. It's a grade one and a half. It starts uh, slow and then goes to fast. Um, to me, I really, really like this piece. And to me, it seems like a piece that's harder, like it sounds harder than it is. And it's super musical. Like for some reason, there's something about this Dorian melody that that uh, is very musical for me. And you know, at the grade one level, as a, as a high school teacher, a lot of times I hear grade one and it's like, it doesn't sound quite as musical as I want it to be. But this piece just seems like it's like a grade four piece, but in a grade one body. It's, it's kind of all how, I, how I can put it. So um, again, I've worked on this with, with some of our younger high school kids. And, you know, it's a, a great piece. So let's listen to Celtic Air and Dance by Michael Sweeney.
mean, just in the first minute of that piece, I heard like a um, almost like a pop sound because of the chord progression that was being used, sort of a pop chord progression. And then when it got to the one chord, there was this like um, um, tense, not tense is the wrong word. There was a, uh, you know, a clash of harmony, some half steps in there, so made a little more contemporary. And, uh, and then it went to like very standard band sounding and expressive and like in the first minute you could work for hours on, on that stuff. So there's just so much great stuff in there. Um, you know, and everybody gets, gets a chance to have a great, a great part in that one. So hopefully you like that piece, Celtic Air and Dance. I really love it. The next piece is a real winner, and there's just so many teachers who have done this piece. And if you haven't, haven't uh, learned this piece yet, uh, today is a great day for you. Um, this is called A Prehistoric Suite by Paul Jennings. Uh, it's in four movements. The first movement is called Stegosaurus. The second movement is wild. It's called Brontosaurus, and it has all the reasons to play trombone because it's got all the uh, the glissandos from fourth position G up to B flat, and then back down again. And they just trombones get to be superstars on that one. Um, the The third movement is in three four, which is a great a great learning experience for kids at this grade level, and it's called pterodactyls. Um, and then the final movement is the battle scene, which is between the Tyrannosaurus and the Triceratops. And there's some clashy half steps and even some aleatoric start to it. Um, that's for about 20 seconds or so. So this is such a great piece of music for kids to learn on. And uh, I really hope you, you enjoy it. Here is Prehistoric Suite by Paul Jennings.
there's so many things that make that a great piece. And for me, first of all, not only is it a great standalone piece, you're dealing with dinosaurs. So of course, there's a lot of kids who are very interested in that. And you can do a lot of cross-curricular things with that and learning about the prehistoric era. But also, it's not only a great standalone piece, and, and, but, and there's so much to teach in that one piece, you know, because you have like four mini pieces in one. But also, it's a gateway to harder music. There's some stuff in there that kids get to learn at an easier level that they'll see later on in grade two and grade three and so on and so forth. So um, that should be on everybody's list, A Prehistoric Suite by Paul Jennings. The next piece of music is also in the key of F major. This is Feed the Birds, arranged by Robert Longfield. This was recommended to me by a great band director friend, Gene Quinn. And this, uh, this piece has a lot of things going for it. First of all, the fact that it's in 3-4 and in F major uh, is really good at this grade level. I would call this probably a grade one and a half. And there is actually a, a, a retard and a chalarondo in this as well. Um, there's a section on the bridge where the lows all get the melody. Um, so that's really, really great. And the, the accidental that's used in there is concert D sharp. Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> concert C sharp. I was looking at the wrong part. Concert C sharp. And um, also this is a, a, a gateway into Mary Poppins, which is kind of an odd way to say it, but you know that there's so much great music in Mary Poppins. And if some kids, especially these days who haven't seen that movie, this is sort of a way to get them into that and uh, learning about some more of this musical history. So hope you enjoy Feed the Birds, arranged by Robert Longfield. There's another great arrangement I've done um, that is not of this grade level. Uh, it's more of a grade three. 
Um, the highlights for Mary Poppins, arranged by Ted Ricketts, has Chim Chim Turi in it and Feed the Birds and a couple of the other classic tunes. So if you're looking for more uh, Mary Poppins in your life, the Ted Ricketts highlights for Mary Poppins is uh, highly recommended by myself. The next piece we're going to listen to is by the great Pierre Laplante. This one is uh, grade one piece called March on the King's Highway. I think this is probably more of a grade one and a half, to be honest with you. Um, so this is uh, a British folk song setting. And let's see. Uh, my wife loves this piece. And she's used it a, a, a couple times. It's a great piece if you're looking to introduce cut time. So this could also be used at a you know younger high school level as well. If cut time is new, um, this is a great piece for it because you can really do it in 4-4 and then kind of speed it up a little bit and feel it in cut time. Um, this recording is not super fast that we're going to play. It's a, an, an honor band from, from Florida. And um, this piece is in B-flat throughout. In addition to being cut time, there's also a roadmap. You know, there's a, a sign and a DS and a coda and all that. So it's a really great teaching opportunity by one of the great writers in American uh, concert band history, in my opinion, Pierre Laplante. So let's check out A March on the King's Highway. <laughs> Also, from personal experience, um, confessing that is a, a, a piece of music that is an earworm. And if you're unfamiliar with that term, that's one of those tunes that gets stuck in your head. So be prepared for that if you work on Marching the King's Highway to have that as an earworm that entire concert season. But it's such a great piece of music to teach us. is by one of the greatest uh, writers of our day, Brian Balmages. 
And this is a piece called Kilauea. If you don't know anything about Kilauea, Kilauea is the name of a volcano in Hawaii, on the big island of Hawaii. Um, This piece starts all like the, the volcano was dormant, right? So it starts starts pretty and then at some point it kind of starts bubbling and then and then shows the fury of the volcano and it's really such a a great opportunity to um, talk about Hawaii to be honest with you it's such a great place and if you haven't been there your students haven't been there um, you can go to if you go to uh, well you have to show pictures and videos but this is the the I believe the only active volcano in uh, at least our country if not the world, um, you can actually go to Hawaii National, well, sorry, Volcano National Park in Hawaii on the Big Island. And you drive down there and you can watch the lava. Well, you can't actually get that close, but, you know, it's like going all the time and you can watch the lava go into the ocean. And that's how the Hawaiian Islands were formed, if you didn't know that. And so you can talk about some some history and some geography and and all that, as well as uh, geology. And, uh, you know, the so as the island gets bigger with all this volcanic motion, um, you have a piece of music that, that says that. So um, also with the eruptions, many times they have in Hawaii what's called a VOG, V-O-G, which is volcanic fog. And it like covers the whole island and actually, you know, makes the air quality not as good and all that. But uh, um, Volcano National Park, my wife and I have been there. Um, and it's such a great, great time and should be on everybody's bucket list. And here's a piece to uh, explore that. So Brian Balmage's uh, Kilauea.
final piece of this episode is entitled There Will Come Soft Rains. And this is based on a short story by Ray Bradbury. So one of the reasons why this piece works well is it, um, it's, it's, you know, uh, a short story that's read in many middle schools, making it a cross-curricular teaching opportunity. Um, use of rain sticks and sounds of a ticking clock and clock chimes contribute to the atmosphere of this pointed story. And the expressive nature makes it a valuable musical work. Um, from another teacher, they said about this piece, um, let's see, where is it? So this is by Robert Sheldon. Um, this is a beautiful ballad and based on the short story. That's right, we already said that. So, um, you know, in listening to this piece, it, to me, at the, especially at the grade one level, like ballads are really hard. And actually there's some research that, that I'm definitely not an expert in this, but some research that, that talks about um, how somebody's heart rate, like how fast their heart beats naturally, has to do with the music that's easier for them to digest. So, which means so our younger kids with faster heart rates actually struggle more with this slower music. So I think there's actually some science behind why younger kids are bad at ballads. Um, so finding a good grade one ballad, this, this might be for a grade two or three band, um, but the ballad itself is grade one. So this is a super expressive piece, There Will Come Soft Rains by Robert Sheldon.
We sincerely appreciate you taking your valuable time and listening to the Growing Band Director podcast. Your students are very lucky to have a band director like you. If you have any suggestions for episode topics or think you have an area of expertise to share on a show with us, please reach out. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your band director friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, our YouTube channel, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening to The Growing Band Director. See you next week.